All right, TKO fans, welcome back to the TKO Hardcore Casual MMA podcast. Today we're going over the UFC 280, the main card. We're going to go through every fight. It's a stacked card from top to bottom. Uh, we're going to give you our predictions and then give you our picks. So uh, stay tuned and uh, let's get the spread this weekend. That's right. Who's a card that's so stacked? They had to do. We had to do two episodes of the TKO podcast. Uh, man, I'm really excited. I've been excited for a lot of these fights, but now I've, that I've done a deep, deeper dive into it, I'm excited for this uh, kickoff fight. Uh, what do you think about these two high top ten ladies coming into this fight? Uh, this is an awesome fight, man. I'm pretty excited for this one. You got the uh, you know perennial contender in the flyweight division and Kaylin Chukagian coming against a, a hot up-and-coming prospect that people are really high on in Manon Firo. Um, I've been going back and forth on this one. I think it's going to be a very close fight. But uh, let's get into the breakdown. How do you see this one going, Jordan? Uh, I'm not sure, man. I just, I like any other time, if this had been a um, any regular scenario, I would have the chook all day. But coming in as a last-minute replacement, I really do question the strategy in taking this fight. Um, you know, maybe to let somebody else take this, but at the same time, that just shows that she is a fighter. She loves to get in there and just fight with anybody. Uh, I mean, she's obviously hungry to get back at that title shot. So maybe that's what her, you know, she's not trying to wait around and wait for someone to give it to her. She's ready to go out there and take it. But the short, short notice, you know, it's, it's always going to play against you. There just never seems to be, um, you know, an advantage to taking a short notice fight against a dangerous person who has shown that she can put ladies out um, and man on, um, you know, what do you think? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I didn't even consider the, uh, the amount of uh, time that she had to prepare for this fight in Chukagian. Um, but I do think that she's one of those fighters that uh, can like her style matches up well with a lot of other fighters in the division. You know, I rate her very akin to like uh almost like a Robert Whitaker type where, I mean, that might be a generous comparison, but uh, just in the sense that, uh, you know, you can put her in against anybody in the top 10 of her weight class and she has a good chance of being them on an, on an off day or on her good day. You know what I mean? Just because of her style, it works. You know, it's a proven style. She's long and lanky for the weight class. She has good serviceable striking and uh, knows how to manage the distance well. And then, you know, she's no slouch on the ground. She's very well-rounded. She's a brown belt under Ricardo Almeida, and that's, you know, no uh, no lucky feat. You know, that's a tough uh, belt to get it under. And she shows it off in her fights, you know. She's uh, not afraid to wrestle. Um, in a lot of her fights, she'll mix in her striking with her grappling and, you know, uh, kill clock that way and just rack up rounds. And I, I do think that that could be a path to victory for her against Manon Firo. Uh, Manon is a very talented striker in her own right. Uh, she clearly has more stopping power than uh, Chukagian does. Just looking at their records, she has a lot more finishes than Chukagian. Um, that being said, she's largely unproven. You know, she's she's only fought a few girls in this weight class, and uh, the ones that uh, she's fought that were established names, she was not able to finish. She had more of a more drawn out fights with them, and in those uh, longer fights, she's shown that she can be kind of one dimensional in her, uh, you know, in her entries. She likes to throw a one-two. She likes to throw a side kick. She'll throw a head kick from time to time or a front kick. But it's really like straight line attacks. And uh, that's something that she, Caitlin has shown that she can fight against. Um, the big question for me in this fight is uh, Caitlin's wrestling against Manon's. 
because Manon is a you know French kickboxer. She came, she came up kickboxing, and she's shown some weakness in the grappling aspects before. And Chikagian's one of those girls, like we said, that can uh, mix everything in together. So I definitely can see a path to victory for her if she can you know mix up her wrestling and kill clock that way. Um, on the other hand, uh, how powerful is Manon really? You know, can she hurt Chukagian? Andrade was able to hurt her. Uh, Valentina was able to hurt her. Those are, you know, obviously great fighters in this division. So uh, if Manon can exploit what has seen has been shown as weakness in some of Chukagian's fights, maybe she can get the knockout that way. But um, I do think I'm going to take Chukagian uh, at underdog odds. I think it just makes so much sense. Uh, I'm going to take her by decision since, you know, she always wins by decision. I think they have it at like plus 240. I feel like it's very generous, you know. Um, to win outright, she's plus 170. And I really don't see her getting a finish in this fight. I mean, it's possible she can get a submission. But again, she's not really the type to go for a finish. She'll really try to do position over submission. So, uh, yeah, I think Chukagan wins this fight in a uh, slower, more methodical paced fight. Uh, I'm actually going to have to go with uh, Manon. I think, like I said, any other situation, I would definitely pick the Chuke in this one. But, you know, just looking, like you said, looking at her records, most of it is decisions. So, you know, I definitely know that she knows how to manage a fight. Um, but, you know, coming in on short notice, I know that's going to affect uh, Manon as well. Maybe have to change up a game plan, and that'll be something that she really has to adapt to, and we'll see how she does. But I, I think that. You know, I think that Duke's going to get worn out if uh, Manon can bring it into deep waters. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. that it's, I think it might, I think it still would probably go to a decision, but I don't think it'll go into her favor if Manon's able to keep the pressure and really exploit that um, short training camp. Um, but she might be ready to go um, at any time, you know, just having fought, well, I guess she's fought in May, so. You know, we'll see. Uh, I said I'm gonna go with uh, Manon by decision as well. Um, you know, I think that she's just gonna have enough to pull it out. I'm not sure how smart of a decision this was for Caitlin to take, but you know, we'll see. You know, I'm, she might end up proving me extremely wrong. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a safe bet. You know, I, I feel like this fight's definitely gonna go the distance either way. Uh, I saw a prop on DraftKings; they had it uh, for the fight to end by unanimous decision at like minus one sixty. I think that makes a lot of sense. I would take that. Uh, the fight to end by decision outright is like minus 300. So you can get double the value on that if you bet by unanimous. I do think it'll be uh, a clear fight on either side. I think either Chikagian is going to be able to mix in her striking and grappling and uh, make Manon look like uh, amateur on the big scene because she can't you know, mix everything together that well. Or on the other hand, Manon might just you know make uh, Caitlin look like an amateur on the feet and uh, just outclass her on the feet to decision victory. So uh, I do like that pick. What's the um? What's the uh, what's the odds on man on putting her out in the third? Oh, uh, let me pull that up right now. I mean, usually when you get on those like specific props, uh, they can get pretty uh pretty uh exorbitant, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, she's got power, man. She does have power. I mean, you know, she might be. You know, you may, it might it might turn into one of those situations where the where Juke's able to to get ahead on it. You know, exerting a lot of energy in that first and second, and then you know, really gassing out in that third. Yeah, I mean, it it, it could happen, and she's been finished before, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, right? Um, let me get you the number on that right now. Oh man, the cheeks from Hoboken. 
Yeah, man, she's Jersey girl. That's what I'm saying. I got a roof for my, oh, for my man, homie. Man, that makes man. I didn't know that. That changes the game. Yeah, she trains out there in uh, Tom's River with Frankie Edgar and Mark Henry and all those guys. So she comes from a good gym, you know, a lot of good uh, rapplers and wrestlers in that gym. Uh, the fight for to end by third round for Manon Firo uh, by KO is plus two thousand right now on DraftKings. So uh, that's pretty huge right there, you know. That's changed. The change of the game, though, I didn't know she was from Hope again. I might change my answer just off of that alone. I mean, hey, man, uh, I, I'm I'm a believer in the Chook, you know. I think uh, it's hard to argue what she's done in this division. You know, she's fought a lot of the best girls in this weight class. Manon has a couple of good fights against, you know, like Jennifer Maya and stuff. But, uh, you know, she hasn't fought that level of competition yet at uh, Chukagian. All right, all right, all right. I'm getting on the Chook train. All right, I got it. <laughs> Choo-choo on the Chook train. Let's go, let's go for it. You swayed me. All right, man, me. All right, so I guess we're both going to take Chuke again by decision then. That sounds like a good pick. Um, let's move on to the next fight. Uh, we got a banger lightweight matchup here against two great grapplers. Uh, Benil Dariush versus Mateusz Gamrat. Uh, what do you think about this one, Jordan? You got a chance to check out these guys? Um, I know a little bit about them, but not too much. I know Benil hasn't fought since like Tony Ferg, which was like two years ago, which that gives me a little bit of a, you know, question in and of itself. Whether yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, he's ranked pretty high, but I think this is one of these fights that is going to go is going to be very good for the lightweight division because there's a lot of names in the top 10, 15 that, you know, they just really shouldn't be there. And, you know, we're going to find out if Benil is one of them because he's been extremely inactive in the last 2 years and you have somebody like um Garot that's been extremely um, you know, hungry. In yeah. the last couple of years, he's been extremely active and you can tell that he's ready to get to you know, in that top five competition, you know, maybe even like, you know, like I said, it's a crazy sport. You get anywhere in that top five, you could get called upon to step in for a big opportunity. Whereas, you know, just like we were talking with um, Chuk, you know, I don't know how smart of a decision it was to step on a late notice as her as the number one. But if it was reversed and she was number nine, that's a perfect opportunity to step into. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is going to, I have, uh, um, I have Gamrot. Um, I think it's going to be extremely good for the division. I think, um, you know, Benil might slide down due to inactivity, but he could have just been, you know, in the gym hitting it hard. Um, I'm going to have, the, I'm going to go with the active fighter, the guy that's up and coming and that's um, proven himself over the last couple, uh, you know, a couple fights. So that's my yeah. pick. Yeah. I mean, uh, use the word uh, active to describe Gamrot. I think that's a, a great way to describe him, you know, in and out of the cage. The guy is constantly taking fights, and when he's in the fight, there's you can you'd be hard pressed to find a 10 second exchange where he's not either throwing a punch, throwing a feint, or going for a takedown. Uh, the dude's constantly putting on a crazy pace in every fight he's in. Um, this is going to be a really interesting fight. Uh, Dariush has had a bit of a layoff after that Ferguson fight. Uh, it's not anything on his accord, though. He was battling some injuries. Uh, he was scheduled to fight Makachev, uh, the dude that's now fighting for the title, but uh, he had to pull out with, I think, like a torn knee or something like that. Uh, but either way, uh, I do like that he's fighting down for this fight and giving Gamrot that shot. Uh, Gamrot looks like one of those guys that's going to be in the division for a while now, uh, or for years to come, rather. 
his last fight against Armand Sarukian. If you guys haven't watched it, definitely check that fight out. Fight of the year contender for sure uh, earlier this year. Um, I personally felt like Sarukian did enough to win rounds one, two, and four in that fight. But, you know, Gamrot had a great showing for himself. So I don't think anybody's really upset that he got the decision. As long as Sarukian gets a good fight off of that fight as well, I think nobody will be upset. But um, yeah, man, as far as the matchup goes here, uh, it's a great grappling matchup. You've got the smothering and just monster pace of a wrestler and Mateusz Gamrot coming out of Poland uh, versus the grappler with some really slick jujitsu of Dariush. You know, Dariush is a 10th planet black belt. So, uh, you know, he's pretty creative on the ground when it gets there. He also he's also shown to be a very strong wrestler in his own right. Um, you know, he he is able to take people down himself or, you know, smother them. Uh, he's a very wide guy, just built physically. So Gamrot may have some trouble with the physicality in that. Um, another factor is I don't think Mateusz Gamrot's striking is that, you know, that heralded. Um, in my eyes, he is one of those dudes that kind of just will throw a lot of volume, very similar to Victor Henry, who we saw last week against Rafael Sunsau. Um, will just throw a lot of volume, stay in your face. Not necessarily the best technique or the most power, but just the pace and the pressure is something that breaks you down. Uh, that can lead to Dariush landing some good shots. Dariush is uh, one of those dudes that is able to make it into a dogfight if he has to and tends to win those dogfights. You know, he hits hard. He can find his shots in, in the fire. Uh, Gamrot has been dropped before. He got dropped against Sarukin. Uh, he also got dropped against... Um, uh, I'm blanking on the, the name now. Uh, I think it was Guram Kutalazi. Um, But yeah, he got dropped before a couple times in the UFC. Uh, of course, he has shown great conditioning, so he always gets up very quick after he gets dropped. But that could be something that uh, Dariush can use to his advantage and maybe win a round or two and get the decision there. Uh, I can see a world where Benil gets it done, but I do think Gamrot is kind of going to be the future in this division. And I think the, the pace he's going to put on combined with the heat in Abu Dhabi, uh, I think he's going to be able to wear down Benil. Uh, Benil is a guy that sh has shown kind of suspect cardio in the third round in the past. Uh, in five rounds, I would pick Gamrot for sure. I would have no question about it. Um, in three rounds, I give Dariush a bit of a shot, but I do think Gamrot's going to do enough to win either the the second and the third or just win every round on pace alone. Uh, so I'm, I'm picking Gamrot by decision in this fight. I don't see him getting a finish, but I think he gets it done. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's going to just grind him down um, and get a pretty pretty secure uh, unanimous decision on that one. Um, yeah, but like I said, you never know. Benil might be able to put his lights out. You know, we just don't. You just don't really know because in in activity. Um, but we'll find out. We'll find out if he's deserving of that that um, ranking that he has. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys in this division are afraid to fight down Justin uh, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. Um, Benil and Gamrot and Sarukian are kind of the breath of fresh air that this division needs where they're willing to fight anybody. So uh, I'm happy to see these guys going against each other. We have another matchup like that on the prelims with Bilal and Sean Brady in a division that's not moving a lot, that those two guys will fight anybody. So it's good that they're getting these guys against each other and we're going to see who uh, will elevate their status to the top three, you know?
Yeah, man. Going down this card, there's a few more banger matchups. Uh, the first one is a great matchup in the Bantamweight division between two fan favorites. You got Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. Uh, I expect this one to have the most eyes on it. Uh, you know, naturally, Sean O'Malley always garners a lot of attention to his fights. Uh, Piotr Jan, though, in his own right, is a huge fan favorite. So uh, I'm very excited for this matchup. Uh, I'm surprised that it's happening because, you know. I, I, that's exactly, that's a perfect word for it. Um, mainly because I, like, Sean, I've done a huge 180 on this dude. Like, when he first came, I saw him, like, a tennis series. I was like, all right. Then he started playing himself up and everything. And then I did my natural, like, okay, you know, just fight. But then I realized what he was doing, and he is so smart. He's the best businessman that fights, like in the UFC, like bar none. He's like it's the the way that he built his brand up first, so like he doesn't have to worry about you know selling a bunch of fights. If he gets injured tomorrow, he has himself made as like a commentator, as a content creator, as like all this other stuff. So that's yeah. it's very smart on him. I, was, I thought he was going to take a little bit longer getting on top five, but, you know, I don't think he's the type to try and swim over his head. I think he knows, like, the like how deep the waters he can go, and, you know, he's not afraid to try and go a little bit further. So it makes me feel like he thinks that he can beat Peter Yan, that he can actually knock him out or at least be in there and um, and, and prove himself as a as a uh, elite fighter. Um. Yeah, it's it's definitely a it's a surprise that they even put this fight together for me, just because, like you said, Sean O'Malley's done such a good job of building his brand and building his reputation in the UFC so far. They've they've been giving him fights that are winnable matchups, and you know, in the case of his last fight against Munoz, the highest ranked opponents that he can get that are still winnable. Uh, this is not the case with this matchup. Piotr Jan's a monster for anybody in this weight class and anybody in any fight in the UFC, uh, you know, near his size. Um, so it's very weird uh, that they gave this, that they made this fight. Uh, and my initial reaction was like, wow, the UFC wants to kill Sean O'Malley. But, you know, after thinking about it a little bit, it's kind of a win-win situation for the UFC altogether. Because, uh, you know, if O'Malley does win, uh, he just took out the former champion, uh, huge name, great fighter. You really can't deny him from a title shot in that case. And, you know, anytime you got a popular guy like that near the title, it's a great for business. Um, and if uh, if Piotr Jan wins, that's a very fan-friendly style. Uh, beating a huge name in O'Malley, going to, you know, take a lot of casual attention. He already has a pretty solid fan base, but it's only going to grow with a great performance here. Um, I, I do feel like Jan is just way too much for O'Malley. I think Sean bit off more than he can chew with this one. Uh, everybody always talks about how, you know, in this matchup, all the analysis and all the commentators, everybody's saying, like, Jan takes the first round off and O'Malley's a strong starter. So, you know, maybe O'Malley can take, like, win a round and a half and win a decision that way. But if you look at uh, the three-round fights that Jan has had in the past, that, that, you know, theory of him taking the first round off doesn't really hold because he'll take, like, a minute or two and then win the rest of the first round. Whereas in a five-round fight, he does tend to take the first round off and then just work his way back from there. But uh, in every third-round fight he's ever, or every three-round fight he's ever fought, he won the first round. So uh, I don't think it's going to be an exception here. I do see him getting a finish. I don't think O'Malley is durable enough for this kind of fight. 
Keanu's one of those people that causes pain in the octagon. He's not just trying to win. He's not just trying to make a good showing for himself. He's trying to hurt and take his opponent out of there. Uh, so in I like, think you mean like an illegal knee in a championship match? Just yeah, because, just like, like that. Hey, this looks like a great time to knee you right in the face. Yep, killer but, instinct. You know, that's, <laughs> what it's God, all about. that's what it is. Like, it's like I get it, man. I mean, I understand. But the dude's just mean in there, man. You see him like front kicking Faber in the face <laughs> and smiling about it. You know what I mean? Like. It's just like evil, you know. The guy's a machine. Um, I want, I want O'Malley to win. I'm, I, I have. He, he sold me on the underdog star. I really, I'd love, I wouldn't mind seeing him. You know, maybe just sparking him. But I mean, I, I don't know. honestly, I like O'Malley's fighting style. I was a fan of him on the from the Contender series, you know, and um, I, I, I think he has a style that does well against some of the guys in the division. But I think this is just way too much too soon. You know, if let's say. You know, rewind time and TJ Dillashaw loses to Corey Sanhagen, like how a lot of people thought he did. If they make TJ versus O'Malley, I might take O'Malley in that fight. You know, I think TJ might be not, you know, durable enough and also a slow starter, and that O'Malley might be able to get that early finish or, you know, win a decision, a three round decision. But against a guy like Jan, who has the well roundedness, the cardio, the chin, the pressure, the pace, the boxing, the leg kicks, Everything, all his tools are like made to just cause pain. And it's been a theme in O'Malley's career that if you start to, if he can't break you early and, uh, you know, like mount an overwhelming snowballing offense that uh, he, he tends to either fade or he'll get hurt. You know, he's, he's shown a lack of durability in his legs with against leg kicks. Uh, he, he, he's been rocked or not rocked, but like stunned on the feet against Cheeto and got, you know, knocked out with that elbow on the ground. I think Jan is going to be, he's going to show a complete mixed martial arts game in this fight. I see him working the clinch, landing mean elbows in the clinch and tripping him, making O'Malley look like a fool. You know, um, I think Jan is going to be disrespectful in this fight, like how he usually is. And I think it's going to lead him to a second or third round finish. Uh, so I'm taking uh, Jan by knockout, either early or late in the fight. I think he does get the knockout. I don't see him going for a submission, but you know he could if he wanted to. I don't know. I just think it's Jan's fight to lose here. But yeah, like uh, you know, this fight opened up at minus 500 for Jan, and when I heard that they made the matchup, I was like, if this, if these odds are anything less than minus 500, if I can get Jan at minus 400 or minus 450, even. I'm hammering at home. And now the odds have shifted even more in uh, his favor. Or I guess uh, I guess more towards O'Malley. And that uh, Jan is now like a minus 300 or a minus 260 even on some betting sites. And I think that's insane. So I'm taking Jan all day. Uh, he's going to be the anchor in my parlays, which might come back to bite me in the ass. But I think at minus 260, it's ridiculous not to take the former champion in this fight. Um I like the knockout prop. They have it at plus 300 on some sites, plus 330 I've seen. Uh, I think that's a great bet. You, you know, O'Malley's never faced this level of competition and never faced a heavy a hitter as Jan, especially in the prime of his career. You know, the big thing that O'Malley has for him in this fight is his size and his length. But Corey Sandhagen had that same tool, and Sandhagen's, frankly, a lot better at using that size and length than O'Malley is, and he's a lot better striker. And Jan had no trouble landing great combinations against Sanhagen in their fight. So 
I'm taking Jan all day here. I wouldn't. I would like you know just for the chaotic, the chaotic nature, and uh, just for the uh, the contrarian in me, it would be cool to see O'Malley get a win here and shake up the division. But uh, I think I'm just gonna have to go with the more proven guy in Jan, and I'm gonna take him by finish in this one. Yeah, I think you're right, and that's a good uh, good point on the Corey Sanhagen. Um, uh, comparison because they do have a very similar size and style, so that's a very good point. Um, yeah, I like I said, the, for me, as far as you know, a guy that's going to care about the TKO, my TKO record, um, I'm gonna have to go with Peter Yan, um, getting it done in the second by KO as well. Um, probably a little bit later. Um, I think a strong showing for O'Malley would just be, uh, be being able to last and get to you know, so go the distance with a former champion and really proven himself. But I think you're right. I think Jan is going to get in close and really wear him out. Um, I think he'll have a pretty flashy first round and then Jan's going to crack him one good time and it's going to bring him back to reality a little bit because um, he's not the type to really get flustered or anything like that. He's just going to go there to, to straight kill you no matter what you do. So um, that's what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say that Jan's going to win as far as my picks. Um, but I probably, I can see myself picking O'Malley as my upset uh my upset alert and have him hitting Jan with a knockout in the second just in case it happens and pays me out big. I like that. I think uh I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean the guy has the power to hurt anybody, but uh I think Jan does have that you like you said he doesn't get flustered. The composure that Jan brings is something that uh O'Malley hasn't seen yet. Uh I mean Pedro Munoz had it a bit and I think, you know, he won that first round on every judge's scorecard. So um, I just, I, I just, it's hard for me to picture a world where Jan doesn't systematically break him down. If Matt Sarah can knock out George St. Pierre, then, mm. you know, um, anything can happen. Yeah, fair enough. You know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I like Jan in this fight, but again, it is MMA. Anything can happen. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the title fights on the card. We got two huge ones. The first one, and the bantamweight division, the weight class we were just talking about, uh, Aljamain Sterling, the champ, versus TJ Dillashaw, the former two-time champ. This is an incredible matchup here. Aljamain, the grappler with you know great volume striking and feints, likes to overload his opponent. Uh, he's definitely going to be trying to take this fight to the ground or at least get to TJ's back. Uh, I think he'd be a fool to try to win a kickboxing fight against TJ, but hey, I've been proven wrong before. Uh, on the other hand, TJ has a great striking arsenal, incredibly diverse on the feet, uh, but his biggest tools are his movement and even his wrestling as well. Um, I think this fight will end up taking place on the feet for most of the time. I think Aljo will do enough in the first three rounds with his uh, overwhelming volume and takedown attempts and probably take the back or at least like win some clinch positions and uh, end up winning a, a decision. Uh, I don't see either guy really getting a finish in this fight. Uh, if anything, TJ might get a late knockout because Aljamain does tend to get tired and TJ stays in there the whole fight. But uh, I think, um, I don't know. Like, for me, the big question mark in this one is TJ's durability and how his cardio is going to hold up, you know, after, you know, after that knee surgery, 16-month layoff, and without his, you know, precious EPO. So I'm going to take Sterling by decision here. I think he's going to be able to do enough early in the fight, bank a few rounds, and get the get the decision. 
Um, you know, he might be able to get that early submission. TJ is a bit of a slow starter. You know, he's been hurt in the first round of every fight that he's fought, essentially. Um, so, you know, maybe Sterling, who's a, you know, always a super fast starter, can catch him cold. But uh, I, I'm going to take over two and a half either way in this fight. And I'm going to have to lean on the side of youth and go with Aljamain. I think he's in his prime. The momentum's on his side. And uh, I think he's going he's gonna to get this victory. I'm excited to see this matchup as well because, um, you know, I really feel it's between two guys that are really out to prove something. Um, I think TJ seems to be very motivated to get his belt back and re-legitimize his image um, as champion after the whole EPO scandal. Um, I know, at least for me, that there's always going to be a, a yeah, but whenever we're talking about the 135 GOAT um, mm-hmm. and his name enters the question. You know, whether that's fair or not, you know, that's up for discussion as well. But I just can tell you how my feelings on it. Yeah. And this will be I think this is going to be a real test uh, of what many is going to look at as like Sterling's first real title defense after finally kind of, at least for now, putting Yan uh, behind him. And um, so I think this is a hard one for me to say because I used to really like TJ um, and I've come to find myself, you know, not really liking him too much, but I don't really know the dude. So I guess that's. Uh, that's you know all for me to say. Yeah. But even everything aside, I think Sterling does get it done. Um, I actually think that he might get the finish in round four with his uh, rear naked choke. I think you're right. I think TJ might find himself getting hurt early, um, and I think that'll 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 plague him for the rest of the match, uh, for, uh, for the rest of the fight. And I think that Sterling will will definitely get it done um, in the championship rounds. But I'm going to say rear naked choke in four. Um, but for the TKO uh, money line, I'm going to just say Sterling wins. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's a super close fight, man. And uh, with the odds at like minus 175 for Sterling and plus 160 for TJ, you can really go either way and not be crazy. Um, I like Sterling in this fight, but I've been watching Sterling for years. Like I saw his first fight in the UFC and I've watched every fight since. I've always been a huge fan of him. He's another guy from the New York, New Jersey area. So I always root for my boys. Uh, so I do have a bit of bias there. Uh, he does seem like the uh, the face going into this matchup. You know, it's hard to be the heel when you're fighting TJ Dillashaw. Um, so, I mean, I'm going with the with the boy in Sterling. I don't know if he's going to get the finish. So I'm going to take him by decision. Um, something that bothers me in this fight is that TJ's always been really hard to take down. He's always super scrambly. He's always, you know, tough to get his to his back to the ground and stuff. He's a great wrestler in his own right. And the cardio as well is a tool that he's going to be able to use against Sterling. Um, on the other hand, if you look at TJ's wins, I mean, barring the Sanhagen victory, which a lot of people thought he lost that fight, and Sanhagen, a guy who, again, doesn't have great grappling defense in his own um, in his own right, um, all of TJ's wins are against guys that are his size or smaller than him, you know? It's very rare that he fights somebody that's as big as Algermain or as big as Sanhagen. And uh, it's even more rare that he wins against them, or at least convincingly. Uh, so that can be a huge factor. If Algermain can use his range, which he's used before against smaller wrestlers that try to get inside, if he can use that range and you know kick and prod his way for three rounds and get a, a you know win a few rounds that way, uh, he can definitely get it done. But um, yeah, man, I'm going to have to take Aljo by decision here. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of answers or a lot of questions answered at, at the end of this one. We're either going to see the, uh, the the first three-time bantamweight champion in the UFC 
or uh, we're going to see Sterling start to rack up some title defenses in the most stacked division. So I'm really excited. Well, well let me ask you how do how do you think the uh, this result will affect? You know, how do you, how much do you think this this bout and the previous bout, both at bantamweight and between um, all ranked opponents, how do you think that is going to affect the next championship fight oh, going I think forward? I'm I'm. I'm not sure, but I, I think I saw that Dana White said the winner of the Yano O'Malley fight will get the title shot, and that makes sense to me. They're going to have a lot of hype coming off each other or off of that win, whoever gets it. So, um, yeah, I think whoever wins this fight will fight the winner of that fight. Um, I do see Yan winning, and I see Aljo winning, so I think we'll get that trilogy matchup. Uh, in a lot of people's eyes, it's 1-1, you know, even though Yan got that DQ loss. He, a lot of people thought he was winning that first fight. Uh, on rewatch, I'll admit, it was a lot closer than I remembered. But uh, yeah, I think that, that'll set up that trilogy. It'll be a good one. Yeah, That'll actually set up... Um, I think you could find... I think both all four of those individuals could end up finding themselves in matchups against each other in the next fight. You know, like you said, Jan versus Sterling, if what we believe goes out, and then, you know, Dillashaw and O'Malley, which I was, I was pretty surprised to say that you think that O'Malley has a a good shot at, at beating Dillashaw, but you know, as you know, as you were talking about with a bigger guys, I think you know, I think that'd be a great matchup for him. You know, maybe a good rebound off of losing to a someone um, that's at the top of the heap, and then go to someone like a Dillashaw who may be on his way down. Yeah, uh, that's that's really the big reason that I said O'Malley can beat a guy like Dillashaw is you know the size and the youth versus the age. You know, Dillashaw is on the wrong end of forty now. Uh, he's even going to be worse for it if him and O'Malley do end up fighting down the line. But um, yeah, I uh, I just had to go with uh, with the youth here in the main in the co-main event and uh, side with Aljamain. But uh, let's get to the main event, man. This is going to be a cracker. Oh my of a god, matchup. I am excited! It's a, it's the closest that you can get between the matchup that everybody wanted. You know, the battle yeah. between the man that never lost the belt and the battle and the protege of the man that never lost the belt. Yeah, you man. Know? I'm trying not to get too excited for it because I've yeah, been I heartbroken. You, dude, I hear you. I hear, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you like hyperventilating. Yeah, in I the know. Background. It's just like I paid so many times to see. The matchup that we're talking about, he who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this feels so much like it. I really don't want this fight to not happen. I'm so excited. Well, for and it. it's just it's 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 unusual the amount of um uh amount of talking Khabib has has you know done. You know, maybe not, I don't know if I would call it trash talk. He has his own weird kind of not trash talk trash talk. But like he's been a lot more vocal with this than usually, so you can see that this means a lot to him, and he's been putting a lot onto it. So if I think, you know, uh, what do you think? I want I want to hear your your opinion first. Uh, I for the matchup itself, it's one of those ones that I really do feel can go either way. Um, it, it, they're both very well rounded. The difference being, Oliver is so much more dangerous on the feet. And Makachev is as dangerous as Oliveira is on the ground. Makachev is not afraid of the ground game at all against anybody. 
So, and you know, Oliveira has been wrestled before. He's been controlled on the ground before by guys like Ricardo Lamas and Paul Felder, even Jim Miller, you know. And uh, these guys aren't as big or strong wrestlers as Makachev. So, you know, Makachev, excuse me, Makachev definitely has a path to victory if he can, you know, wrestle smart and, you know, stay safe in positions and wear down Oliveira into getting a third or fourth round finish. Uh, That being said, Charles hits so fucking hard. He's rocked everybody he's fought at this weight class and on this 11 fight win streak. 11 fights. It's crazy, man. You can't deny the guy. Both of them on 10 fight and 11 fight win streaks. It's insane. Um, Makachev, we've seen get stunned before. He got knocked out by Adriano Martins. He got rocked a few times against Davi Hamos in their fight. Uh, I can see Oliveira landing that left hook, man. He's got a great left hook. Super crisp and clean boxing fundamentals that he's been improving on over his career. He's got a great front kick to the body from the right side. Um, These are tools that Makachev is going to have to be very aware of and wary of because if he gets complacent on the feet and, you know, doesn't mind his P's and Q's, he can get caught with a lot of these things and it's going to be a very interesting fight if he does. Um, Islam is an incredible fighter in his own right. He's defensively sound, like I said, on the ground. He doesn't have to take any, he doesn't take any risks that he doesn't have to. Super smart fight IQ and his knowledge of weight and balance is very good in the clinch. He knows where to get the trips and how to like manipulate your his opponent's weight. Very Khabib-esque in that um uh, in that front. Um it's just it's gonna come down to if Charles can land. And, you know, he's been able to land against so many people. He's so aggressive. Uh, I think he's going to be able to to hurt Islam if he does land. You know, he has power in both his hands. He throws good kicks, throws good knees up the middle that Makachev might get caught with if he goes for a sloppy shot. But Makachev, again, isn't that guy that is going to take risks that he doesn't have to. So I think um, the big the big question for me in this fight, the X factor is going to be how each fighter utilizes their clinch. Because if Oliveira can use his clinch to frame and throw knees and elbows and, you know, create space. He's going to have a lot of success in this fight. If Islam can get inside super tight and use those judo trips and those uh, weight transfers and everything, he's going to be able to take uh, Oliver down over and over, I'm sure, and um, be probably likely be able to negate his jujitsu from the top with just pressure and pace. Uh, he's super methodical on the ground, so I think that's going to be enough to to take away some of uh, Charles' wildness. Um, I I I think this fight is going to be a washout on either side. I don't know. I, I mean, it could be super close, but I think uh, Islam's not the most defensively sound on the feet. Sometimes he drops that right hand, his lead hand. He'll drop it sometimes when he gets comfortable, and Oliveira can find that left hook right over the top of that. Um, I just I I can't see this fight going the distance, man. I think it's either going to be uh, Charles by a knockout into a submission attempt, or just a knockout altogether, or it's going to be Islam by submission in the third or fourth round. Um, see, that's a, that's exactly where I'm at. I think like I'm I'm pretty. I think Charles is going to win, and I think he's going to finish him. Uh, but that's where I'm like I think that he can knock him out, but I'm not sure if it's going to be one of those things where he like hits him with that left hook, like you were saying, and then he gets it down and then goes straight into a submission or like 
very quickly where it's like the submission finishes them, but it's like that that left hook is what started the sequence, you know? Yeah, yeah I think uh, both guys are good at using their striking to set up their grappling. The difference being that Makachev will use his grappling in offense where Charles will use his grappling in defense. Charles will hurt people on the feet and then there'll be a point where they can't take it anymore and they either have to drop or go for a takedown and get wrapped up. Uh, you'll see that against Kevin Lee, against Jared Gordon. He wraps up these guys when they go for shots uh, against Gaethje or Dustin. He'll hurt them on the feet and then you know either follow them to the ground when he drops them or in the event of Dustin, jump on their back and finish him that way. So, I mean, it's it really, uh, I think it's going to be an action fight. I think, all, I mean, any fight with act, with uh, Oliveira is an action fight. Um, but I think he's going to be able to do enough to get it done in the third or fourth round. I, I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, but I have to go with the more proven fighter. Oliveira's fought top guys in this division. And it's no fault against Islam that he hasn't because, you know, it's only because people aren't taking the fight. But uh, Oliver's best wins are way better than Islam's best wins. And uh, Islam's never faced a striker as dangerous as Oliveira. Uh, that's just a matter of the fact. Oliveira would wash out Dan Hooker on the feet. He would wash out, you know, Armand Sarukian on the feet. If these guys fought in a, in a striking match, there's no way they beat Oliveira, you know? So uh, I think... Uh, if if Oliveira can stop the wrestling or at least dissuade the wrestling with knees and up the middle attacks, I think he can find success and get a third or fourth round finish. Uh, let's say none of that happens and Oliveira gets made to look weak like how he has in the past against really strong grapplers um, and Islam is just able to take him down over and over. I still feel like the fight's going to end in the third or fourth round, but this time by Islam by submission. Um, so either way, I think this fight's not going to go the distance. I do think it'll go past the second round, but I don't see it getting to the fifth. What do you What are you thinking about this one? Um, I agree with you. I do. I understand that why you think Makachev might be able to win, but I just think this version of Oliveira is just he's just he's tied it all together, like you yeah. said. You know, he's finally been able to catch his boxing up to his uh his jujitsu. And I think he has too many tools. I think he has too many tools. I think he has too much confidence. I think he's too much momentum. And I think uh, Islam is just untested, like you were saying. I do think that he is uh, the future of the the division, um, or at least you know has that potential in Islam. But it's just not now. It, uh, until someone is able to violently take that crown or he decides to put it down, Oliveira is going to keep it. And I think this is going to go a long way and really, you know, putting his name up there as the goat of the lightweight division, um, right up there next to, you know, you know, Islam's mentor, you know, Habib, you know, I don't think he'll ever come out of retirement, but it'll just be one of those things that it'll always, no matter what, you know, no matter what anybody does, which I don't think Khabib cares that much anyway, but it's just going to be one of those things that, you know, the GOAT is Oliveira or Habib. You can go with either one, but you can't mention one without the other. I'm going to say it ends in the fourth. I'm not sure if it's a, if he's going to knock him out or if he's going to submit him, but I think Oliveira is going to finish Islam in the fourth round. I think that's a good bet, man. Uh, you can get Oliveira to win in the third or fourth at plus 900 at DraftKings. You can get Islam to win in the third or fourth at plus 700. So both of them, a lot of value on that pick. Um, another thing that uh, worries me about Makachev in this matchup 
is, uh, you said the confidence of Oliveira. Uh, both of these guys have to be super confident in their games to get them going. And uh, we've seen Makachev fight great grapplers before, such as Davi Hamos and Armand Sarukian, where he got like threatened with submissions on some of his takedown entries. And that kind of dissuaded him from going for takedowns and turned it into more of a striking fight. Uh, those that's guys, exactly what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I mean that's a very pathable. That's a very possible path to victory for uh, Oliveira is to threaten submissions, threaten you know fight ending strikes. If if Makachev goes for takedowns that aren't uh, very you know well thought out of and set up, um, and uh, in those fights against Hamos and uh, Sarukian. And the striking exchanges, Makachev looks okay, but you know he does get punched. He doesn't have you know amazing defense. He's not like Khabib, where uh, he's going to throw wild risk-taking shots on the feet, like flying knees and wild overhand rights that are going to lend him to a takedown attempt or force the takedown attempt. Islam is a lot more measured in his approach. He doesn't like to take risks. He's been knocked out before. He doesn't want to get knocked out again. So a lot of his striking, he'll go in with ones and twos. Uh, sometimes he'll throw a left high kick behind that or a left body kick. But a lot of times he's really just throwing the one two, trying to get to the, trying to get to the uh, to the hips, you know. And, um, yeah, and well, and I just I don't know how you don't take Oliveira. Like if you're just looking at it from a betting perspective, I don't know how they have him as an underdog. They have him yeah. at a plus fifty five. That seems like an easy easy. It's like one of those things where it's kind of like flipping a quarter. You can say, but one side's a little bit heavier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, the betting is very interesting in this fight because, uh, like you're saying, how can they have Oliveira as an underdog? On the other hand, uh, if you look at the betting lines that have closed for all of Makachev's last 10 fights, this is the most value you're ever going to see on him at minus 190 or however much they have him. He's always like a minus 500, minus 600, something like that. So um, if you're a big Makachev fan, there's definitely paths to victory for him in this fight if he can stay methodical and stay measured how he's always been. Uh, if you're an Oliveira fan, there's definitely pass the victory in this fight for sure. If he can use his striking to hurt Islam and make him think on the feet rather than make him just shoot over and over. So um, I personally am going to take uh, the fight to end in the third or fourth round on either side. I prop bets on both of them to win in the third or fourth. Uh, I like Islam by submission in the third. I think that's a great pick. I also like Oliveira by knockout in the third. Um so I really been going back and forth on this one. But at the end of the day, the champion has a name and his name is Charles Oliveira. You know, uh, I have to du go with Bronx. the more proven. Yeah, Dubronx, he's going to get it done, I think. Uh, I'm going to have to go he's with gonna get that. Oh, man, he's going to get that belt back. Yeah, brother. I, I think uh, the belt belongs to him. Everybody knows it, you know. Um, Everybody knows it. That being said, he's got that style that... He's gonna he's gonna get finished eventually. He can't keep getting away with it, right? So, like, I don't know if Islam's the guy that's gonna hurt him on the feet and get that fi that finish, but uh, I do see him losing, you know, relatively soon in the future. I just don't know if Islam's the guy that's gonna be able to get it done. Uh, I'm super excited for this matchup on both sides, and uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be a fucking banger. This whole matchup, this whole card is just banger after banger. Sir, all right. So let's go to the let's go to the bed and slips. 
Let's do it, man. Uh, going down the betting slip, my picks for the. I think main we actually card. agreed on. I think we agree on all of this. Yeah, I think uh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you swayed you swayed me on the chook, but everything else, I think we pretty much went right down the middle. Yeah, so uh, we're both taking Chukagian by decision. Uh, we're also going to take Gamrot by decision. Um, in the Sterling fight, we're going to take uh, Sterling money line. Uh, we're both also going to take Jan money line. Uh, I like Jan by KO. If you want to prop on that one uh, for the main event, we're both going to go with Oliveira. But again, that's a fight that can really go either way. I think betting the over one and a half at minus one sixty is a great pick. Uh, if you guys want to take that, if you're not sure about who to pick on that side, I think uh, betting that goes over one and a half is a safe one. Um, going back to the prelim card. Uh, just to reiterate our picks on that as well, we're going to take Landsberg by decision. Uh, we're going to be taking, uh, or at least I'm going to be taking uh, Petrosian, and Jordan's taking AJ Dobson. We're both going to take Kyle Baraglio, and uh, I'm taking Sean Brady. Jordan's going to take Bilal. So a couple of splits on the prelims, but we're mostly in accordance on the main card. Uh, let's get down to the upset alert. Who do you think has the best uh, chance of an upset amongst this card, prelims and main card? Who you got, Jordan? All right. So I just want to say with this that a lot of the there's a lot of underdogs that I don't think should be underdogs. So I don't know if I really count them as underdog alert. But I would say if I have to call a monumental upset, I'm going to say Sean O'Malley shocks the world and knocks out Peter Peter Yan in the second round. I think that he's going to get on a roll and show everybody what the Sugar Show is about. And then you're going to have to start calling him C.E. O'Malley. So like that's that. my upset alert. Yeah, that's man. Pretty good right there. Uh, hey, if you start hearing him use it, you tell him. You, I, want, I want a shout out or something. Yeah, word. we'll get those that trademarked, you know. Um, I, I think there's a few. I agree with you that there's a few upsets on this card that are potential. And there's a lot of odd matchups that uh, I don't think should be favored the way that they are. Um, on the prelims, my big upset is Lena Landsberg. Uh, but there's a, a very real possibility that she just gets washed out from aggressiveness. So I'm going to go with the more proven underdog and I'm going to go with Caitlin Chukagian. That's my upset alert. They have her at a plus 180, plus 240 by decision. A lot of people are super high on Manon Firo, but again, she's entirely unproven, especially against somebody as well rounded as Chukagian. So I'm going to go with Ch- Caitlin Chukagian as my upset alert. Uh, you can parlay O'Malley and Chukagian and get them at plus 600 together uh, if you guys want to make some money on our upset picks. All right, man. I'm excited for this card. I love the fact that it is a uh, during the day. You know, I get to do, like you said, I love the idea, a little bit of brunch with the boys. Oh, yeah, some, brother. Uh, some, some great fights. Yeah, man. I'm going to be hosting a little party at my house. We're going to get some, uh, you know, turkey bacon, turkey sauces, eggs, mimosas, tequila sunrises, all that good stuff. It's going to be a good time. 10 a.m. We're going to get it down. Uh, I'm super excited for this fight card. I think you guys are too. TKO fans, sound off in the comments. Let us know what you guys got in this main event, who you guys got in the co-main. It's going to be an awesome card up to down. Um, And yeah, man, just thank you so much for listening. Uh, All together, you know, check out those bending slips. We're going to make a lot of money, I'm sure. Over the the, uh, last few cards, we've been 11-4 and altogether and 5-0 and on the one last week. So, you know, we're going to try to keep this gravy train rolling. You know what I mean? Uh, Stay tuned for the next one, y'all. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you with the recaps.